This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode 356. Notice how I did that just now. Riley says it. He like always has this like upbeat tone as he okay. finishes the number. 356. Like that. <laughs> you can't just say 356. Like that no. one. That would, you know, it's gotta, it's gotta have the upbeat. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast. I am today's host, Jacob Paulson, substitute host, and I'm here with co-host Matthew Marister. What's Welcome going on, Jacob? Thank you. Yeah, we have a lot of stories lined up here today, and you uh, have the unfortunate task of going through the gazillions. Okay, that's an exaggeration, because it's not even a real number. But, you know, the, the, the plethora of available news stories every time we do one of these justified segments and having mm-hmm. to pick out the handful we're going to talk about. And that's a little bit rough, but we have some good ones today. Yeah, this is my favorite. Um, this is my favorite episode that we do, like defensive gun uses, and like you said, there's so many to choose from. And each week, it or each month, it seems to become harder to whittle down the stories because they're just so awesome as far as lessons learned and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, we'll 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 do up some good stories today, though, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So before we do that, message from our sponsors. Hey, can I get something off my chest? Too late. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, I don't don't know why I'm asking permission. I got an email earlier this week that really rubbed me the wrong way. Mm. And this email was from someone who they recently had entered into a giveaway that we we participated in. Many of you might have seen this giveaway. It was a huge giveaway, a prize package valued over $2,000. There were seven or eight companies that were involved who were donating product. And this person had entered into the giveaway and they were upset because we sent them an email after the fact saying, you didn't win the main prize, but here you can have this other course of ours for free. They took advantage of that, got that free course, and then they started getting more email from us asking them to buy stuff from us, and they were angry Hmm. uh, about the spam they were getting. Yeah. And (sighs) if anyone's listening to this podcast, I got to tell you, if your expectation is that we exist purely to donate free content to the interwebs, your expectation has been mismanaged. We, we are a business. And so if you if you get frustrated every time we talk about a sponsor message or every time you get an email from us advertising something, I got news for you. You know, you got to take it as a package deal because we can't produce a free podcast uh, if we don't make money. You know, like I'd have to do other things to feed my family. I wouldn't have time to record a podcast episode, right? And so, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't. Know, I don't know what to tell people about that kind of thing. It just it really rubbed me the wrong way. And I, I know we've gotten comments from people like, "Oh, I love the podcast, except for the spon- You know, too many sponsors. It's like, how do you think we get away with doing this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't work for free, right? No, no. You have to pay me big bucks. I would love to do this. <laughs> I mean, where this is episode three hundred fifty-six. You can go back and listen to all 356 episodes for free. We don't even like we don't even like make it so you can only listen to the last 10 or 20 or like all of them are out there for free. Uh, we produce tons of video content for free. We do shop talk every Monday for free. <laughs> we we have two full-time writers who do nothing but write articles about current gun industry news, these defensive gun use stories, and you know other relevant you know tactics and gear reviews and all that kind of stuff and they put out all that content for guess what free like we have a mobile app that we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars developing and it doesn't even have ads in it and it's free uh, I, so anyway I, I just 
I'm sorry to get up on, on a high horse here, but <laughs> if, if for those of you who are loyal listeners, we appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, very grateful. Um, we, we really do think you're you're awesome and, and amazing. And for those of you who get frustrated when you get advertising from us, you got you to make a decision. Either, you know, it's worth it to deal with some advertising to get the, to get the content we put out or it's not. And if it's not, that's our fault. We need to do a better job. But if it is worth it, please do that with some some sanity and awareness that this is what it takes. We got it. We got to do something here to generate the cash that feeds our families to justify bringing you content like this podcast. All right, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> well, it's not like we're calling them saying the IRS is going to arrest them, right? Like 15 times a day with some scam, right? It's. So- we, yeah, we it's never lie. We're not unethical. <laughs> it's a, it's an and the, give, the giveaway that guy entered, he checked a box. He had to actively check a box that said, I accept the terms and conditions. And if he had read the terms and conditions, he would have seen that like every other giveaway on the internet ever, when you enter that giveaway, you're giving permission to the sponsors of the giveaway to contact you for in the future with marketing and promotions. And, and we didn't just immediately start sending the guy advertising. We offered him a free course, which by the way, just quick tidbit. Uh, most of the giveaways we do, if you don't win, you then get an email from us saying, hey, you want a free course? <laughs> like we're, we're trying to build a relationship of trust. We're trying to hook the dude up and he takes advantage of it. Says, sweet, I got my free thing that they didn't have to give me. And now he's upset because he gets other advertising from us. Unreal. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by the Wilderness Tactical Ankle Cuff, available for sale on concealedcarry.com. Uh, this has actually been a big seller for us recently. People have been buying this thing like nuts. And it's a really nice uh, product, this ankle cuff. Um, I, I wish I wore it every day. I'm still I'm still not there. I'd like to wear it more often. Um, part of it is changing the socks that I have. Uh, Matthew, uh, I mean, when I'm on the range, I try and wear it. What about you? Mm-hmm. Do you, you have much yeah. experience wearing it? Yeah, definitely range. Um, I, I wear a lot of shorts, so I typically don't have an ankle cuff on. Um, but... Yeah, and, and you know my my uh, my deal is that I normally throw it in a cargo pocket because I have cargo pants on. So yeah, yeah. So it's important to have some some basic medical gear with you. However, you achieve that, an ankle cuff is one method of many mm-hmm. to pull that off. And so we think that the wilderness ankle cuff is pretty good. So you can go to our yeah. our website concealedcare.com/shop. You can go right to the first aid category, or you can scroll down and click on the wilderness tactical brand, and it'll pull up all of their products we have for sale. And we encourage you to check that out. It's a forty dollar product, and it holds a lot of stuff, and it's pretty dang well made. Uh, I think it's relatively for that kind of a product uh, comfortable. So anyway, that is today's official sponsor. And uh, we we have another cool thing we're going to tell you guys about soon. We, uh, it was it was on our little outline here to talk about today, but it's not going to we're not going to talk about today because it's it's a surprise and it's a new monthly free content piece we're going to start putting out. I think starting tomorrow. So just a little bit of a tease. Uh, I'll I'll tell you this: it's going to be a challenge. We're going to throw out a monthly challenge moving forward, and we're really excited about that. And it's coming soon. Yeah, I'm super excited too. All right, so my browser just froze up, Matthew. So it's on. It's on to you to, uh, to help us out here. Let's. I think our first story is out of Illinois. Let's dive right in. Yeah, this is a tragic thing. Uh, you probably have seen people sharing it online. Uh, food truck uh, driver or uh, food truck guy who sells uh, food on the side of the road. Um, concealed carrier uh, is robbed at uh, gunpoint. 
gives up his property and then uh, the robbers go into another uh, business. He hears gunshots, goes in there and gets involved in a, in a shootout with, uh, with one of these guys. And um, he ends up dying. Um, actually, there's two guys. So he ends up dying. One of the guys he shot ends up dying. Um, and one of the uh, people in the store ended up getting shot, survived. Um, but you know, there were 15 people in the store that it's an unbelievable story because, you know, he goes in there and, and, you know, initially it came out and there wasn't a lot of uh, information, right. And people jumped really quick to judge him and say, I wouldn't do that. You know, why didn't he just go the other way? And, you know, why did he get involved? And, and, you know, that's a personal call that everybody has to make, but, you know, he did the right thing. He gave up his properties. Like, it's not worth it. Here's my property. But he knew that they had firearms. And when he, they, he saw them go into this business and start shooting, he felt like he was obligated, you know, to, to go in there and do what he could, um, and ended up costing him his life. He has a couple of young kids, um, five and six, I think, um, really tragic story, but it, you know, it, it, really underscores the, the, what we are here for, like why we carry a firearm. It's, it's for ourselves and, and our family, of course. Um, but a lot of us carry because we have that duty to like protect life. And it's not like one of these things where he just went in there to be a hero. Um, it, you know, he, he tried to avoid the situation, but it was just one of those things. And, um, it's a sad story, but I think, um, more people need to hear it because it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's real. I mean, we, we can die, right? We, the gun doesn't protect us. So we take that risk anytime we, uh, we get involved in something like that. So, yeah, yeah. Well, well said, um, this guy's got two kids who are going to grow up without a dad. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll know that their dad was a hero who acted selflessly to, to come to the aid of others. And so to that end, yeah, we, we appreciate that. Um, the journalist here who wrote this story, if you guys go to the show notes and, and click through and read it, I just wanted to, I, I would fire this person if they worked for me. Um, yeah. they just, it's so like, I'd read it three times. I'm like, it, it's, I'm still not, I think, I think uh, as you described it, that they, they hold, they held this guy up inside of his food truck first. And then they went into the nearby barber shop uh, where they proceeded to fire some shots and cause mayhem. Uh, but, but that's, you know, you're, you're trying to put one and one together, you know, based on the way this was written. Um, you know, yes, they did. They had some zip ties with them. So it would suggest that they had some pretty sinister intentions. Um, so let's, let's talk about this a little bit. I, I, I now have had several people repeat back to me something I said many episodes ago. So I'm, it's now like, I guess it's a thing that I said or thing that I remember saying. And, and, and I, I said, you know, coming to the aid of others is optional. Going home is required. And that, that's my personal philosophy. I'm not saying that's that's true for everybody. I'm saying for me personally, coming to the aid of others is, is optional. Going home is required because I have young children and I don't want to orphan them. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess just a reminder, this is a situation where, you know, trying not to be the, the, the armchair quarterback uh, in such a tragic event. But if this was if this was you, Matthew, and you hear those shots ring out, you're like, oh, those dudes have just robbed me. They're in there. They're shooting people. I got my gun. Uh, I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was going to call in one, but I feel like I got to go in there. How? Are, what are some things you would do tactically uh, as you approach or enter that business to maximize your odds of going home? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question because 
um, it, it, it is, you are going, think of it this way. When you go into that store, I would assume that there's probably some sort of front window glass where they can see out and you can see in. So you're going to be likely silhouetted when you get in front of that window, right? So they're going to know that you're coming in and, and that's, that's the issue. Um, it, it, you're not going to be able likely to be able to have some element of surprise. Um, and so, you know, I think that probably the first thing would be to get on the phone with police and say, Hey, this is what's going down. I was just robbed. I hear gunshots in this store. I'm a concealed carrier. I'm going to go in there and, and, and see, or I'm going to try to get eyes on and see what's going on. So I can tell the, the officers what's going on. Um, I think he acted because he felt this is probably going to turn into an active shooter where he kills multiple people or, or they kill multiple people. Um, but as far as tactics, definitely you need to observe before you go into that building. I mean, even though that you hear gunshots, you can't just blindly run in. Um, if you can get any sort of eyes on inside by looking through the window before you go in there and kind of see the layout, see um, where if you can pick out people uh, that are threats if you don't have windows out there like that, it, you're really going in blind and it's just, you know, you're, you're rolling the dice. Um, but you just have to be ready to, to go. And as soon as you, you breach that door, whether or not you see inside and you see them, you know, and they're not looking at you at the time or you can't see at all, you have to be ready to go. And it's difficult because you're going to have people screaming and running and you're not going to know exactly who it is. Thankfully, these guys, I think one of them had a mask on, I think that's what it said. Um, and he had just been robbed. So he probably knew what they looked like. Um, but, you know, there's still going to be a lot of chaos going on in there. You don't want to just go in there and start shooting anything that moves. So Yeah, a lot of um, innocent targets, probably very difficult yeah. line, of, line of fire. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, it's glass and, and you're trying to observe and you're trying to look for opportunities. You know, you're, you're looking for that moment where it's like, oh, they're distracted, their back's turned, they just went in the back of the store and, or whatever it is, you know, something that says, this is my moment uh, where I feel like I can act. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I, I also would be thinking a lot about cover in that kind of environment. I'd be thinking about, okay, if I'm going to engage, I need to do it from a covered position where if I take gunfire, these guys are already shooting shots have already fired. Right. So if I'm going to take fire, uh, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability from a covered position. So, so maybe right now I'm just, kind of, I'm on the edge of the outside of the store. I'm looking through the glass. I'm just observing, uh, you know, I'm saying, okay, when I go in, when I see my opportunity, I'm going to go through this door. I'm going to move right to this spot right here behind this counter or this bookcase or whatever it is. Uh, and, and I'm going to do the best. You, you also, I'm going to throw this out. Uh, when we're talking about all glass, is it necessary to, to breach entry at all? Can I look for my opportunity to start shooting through the glass? I mean, I, I know that, uh, you know, a first couple of shots are probably going to have a bit of a, a twisted trajectory just by the nature of going through glass. But once I've cleared a hole in the glass, and depending on the type of glass, that might not take much. Um, shooting through that holes, then my shots are going to ring pretty true. And again, you know, I got to deal with line of fire and innocence and all those other things that you mentioned, Matthew. But you know, just a reminder that if you're ever finding yourself in a scenario, don't magically allow your brain to be paralyzed into thinking that this glass is some magical, you know, cover that protects you or that prevents you from shooting through it or into it. Absolutely. I'm reminded from uh, about that active shooter in downtown Cincinnati was that last year. Yep. The police showed up and they shot that dude right through the glass, if I recall. Yeah. Uh, they just, they, they, they took him out right through the, the exterior, you know, gl uh, glass window of the building. Okay. My screen is still frozen, Matthew, even though apparently my camera microphone is still working. So what's the next story? I, I have pre-read all these, so hopefully I just remember enough. All right. Man fatally shot after leaving St. Paul Church. You remember that, Jacob? Yeah. So you have three people uh, related. You got uh, 
three generations. You got grandpa, dad, and daughter. Uh, so they, they come out of the church together, and uh, grandpa is armed. Uh, dad and daughter are obviously not. And as they come out, they, they, they get in some sort of encounter, right? I don't remember exactly how the encounter it begins, if they're being robbed or something. Uh, yeah, it, it was basically he just, they just came up to him. There, there was no motive or anything like that that they could identify, yeah. like a robbery or anything. Yep. Yeah, so, so BG you know, fires shots. And once shots are fired, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're shot at dad. Dad is hit. Dad, dad's in trouble. Dad starts trying to run away. Who knows where the daughter she probably runs to. Grandpa draws his gun, starts shooting back. Now, uh, as I recall, the investigation's ongoing. No arrests have been made. So I'm assuming grandpa did not strike his intended target, or very least if he did, you know, not enough to uh, prevent this person's escape. Yeah, it's just tragic. And I think a couple of things that I took away from it was, um, you know, when you have other people with you, your your tactics have to change, right? And we always say, you know, I talk to my spouse or my kid, but you might be in a situation where you're walking with somebody that you don't necessarily have a, you know, emergency plan, like, hey, here's my code word. Or if I, you see me draw my gun, this is, you know, you might not have that conversation with somebody. So, um, you know, so, so that kind of gets your mind in, into thinking if I'm around people that I don't necessarily, you know, tell that I'm armed or we have some sort of communication like that. Um, what are my, what are my, uh, options? What are, what am I going to do? Am I going to break contact with them and, and, and kind of draw fire away from them? Um, which may have been kind of what happened here. Um, and the other thing is just, you know, this kind of thing can happen anywhere. I mean, the guy's leaving church, you know, um, and it just can happen everywhere. And we talk about, you know, um, why it's important to get in the habit of caring. But I think sometimes we get off and, and when I hear people say, you know, I only carry on certain days when I, when I go to dangerous areas and things like that, I, I think that's a bad mindset. Um, you know, statistically, it may be that you're not, you're more likely to get shot in, you know, one place versus the other. But I think the mindset is what's, what's wrong with that kind of mentality. So and where, where was this, Matthew? What state was it in? Minnesota, St. Minnesota. Paul, Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota. So, so grandpa, it did say he had a concealed carry permit. Mm -hmm. uh, and in order to get one in Minnesota, a person does have to take a, a class. Um, that class is not extremely extreme, but it does, it, it, it does involve live fire. I mean, it's relatively close to full day class, as I recall, and live fire is, is, is involved. So it's not a simple, you know, short class. So this guy had some degree of training. Uh, I, I appreciate what you said uh, about, you know, having the gun, being ready. Uh, situational awareness is, you know, something we could harp on here. Coming out of the church, do you see an armed person walking up to you? Do you start thinking about position of cover? Do you divert, you know, change your, your, your you know, how, where you're walking? Say, oh, the car's over there, but that guy looks shady. Let's go this way. Uh, you know, now, drawing a gun on a, on a drawn gun, we all, we've talked about that before, too, and it's going to come up again here in one of our mm -hmm. other stories today. But man, if someone's got you know gun drawn on me, it, I I don't envy being in this situation where it's like uh, if I draw my gun, this dude's going to shoot. So I'm going to not draw my gun until I get an opportunity. But if he shoots before I get that opportunity, I'm kind of SOL. At this point, I'm just going to have to draw and fire back, and that's kind of how I read this one. Yeah. Uh, but you know, may, maybe just a little bit of aware, better awareness about me, I might have been able to avoid it a little bit, uh, and, and certainly having an idea of how I'm going to defend the people with me. If I'm in a group of three people, I mean, let's say it would have been me and my family coming out of church. That's four of us, me and my wife. I got two kids. 
if I'm, I'm the, generally the only one who's armed in that scenario, you know, I don't, I don't just have to be able to respond quickly and shoot this dude in the face. Uh, I have to more, more effectively uh, do all that while, right, take, drawing fire away from, from my family or putting them in a position to cover or doing what is ever necessary to maximize their odds of surviving the fight. So, you know, all of that has got to be top of mind and we got to be thinking about that. So, yep, good, good thoughts. Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, someone else uh, mentioned here in the comments in the live uh, video here, they asked, you know, what about having body armor available? Because, you know, we, we were talking about going into that bot- the barber shop. And so I thought it's worth just addressing that quickly. I don't know anyone today who makes body armor a, a part of their daily EDC loadout who doesn't have a badge. Matthew, do you, do you know someone who does that? Like, no, not every day. I, I mean, I know you you wear it when you go to the range, but as far as every day, no. Yeah, so I, I don't either. Uh, so, and, and I don't know that it's entirely realistic, frankly. Like, I don't, I just don't think today with, with today's body armor standards, you know, traditional like 3A, uh, you know, NIJ certifications would stop most handgun rounds. And no one's been able to make that light enough or thin enough that, that it, it's, it disappears. I mean, it, it, there's some impressive stuff out there. Don't get me wrong, but you're going to figure out it's, I got something on under this shirt. Um, if you look at me for more than about 10 seconds. So I think, you know, the, the more relevant question, this might be what the question really was is, you know, in the case of the food truck guy, could he have body armor just sitting in the food truck, you know, maybe along with the gun. So, mm-hmm. Oh, something's going on, throw my body armor, grab the gun. Sure, that's viable. You know, I have body armor at home next to my rifle safe. Uh, so if I'm going to deploy that AR, you know, we must be in a serious, a serious problem. So body armor is going to go on as I grab that AR. Um, you know, certainly I, I do have a armor, soft armor plate in my backpack. So in a really nasty scenario, I could grab my backpack and I could use that as some sort of shield. We have a product uh, we just added for sale on our store on concealedcarry.com that is a, uh, it's a cover for a three-ring binder. And it's, it's designed so you could hang it over your neck and the three-ring binder kind of completely unfolds down. It's 21 inches of coverage. So, you know, some of those things are semi-realistic to have with you, but it's not cheap. And you actually have to have the opportunity and the availability to it to deploy it. So anyway, just my two cents on that. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the the effectiveness of these things is, you know, depend is very dependent on a, uh, is dependent on a lot of things, but I would say anything is better than nothing, right? Like if you have some armor is probably uh, better than nothing. Uh, but most people, like you said, probably if they have it, it's in their car or something and they may not be right next to their car. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Better than nothing. And, and I think, you know, if a person had, you know, a thousand dollars and like, this is my budget for gun stuff this year. Should I, should I take 400 of that and spend it on body armor? I'd probably dissuade them, you know, from, from doing that. Uh, you know, depending on their, their current level of training, there's probably a better way to invest that $400 in, in terms of doing something with that money that maximizes your odds of success in a gunfight. But, you know, at some point it might be an appropriate tool to have. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm getting closer to restoring uh, Google Chrome here, Matthew, but tell me what the next story is. This is our first what not to do story, Uh, um, and it's from Dallas, Texas, and the article is actually on the concealedcarry.com webpage. Um, Dallas man arrested after shooting fleeing burglar. So this is a bit messy, as I recall. Something to the effect of man wakes up, 
hears a noise at like 5 a.m., mm-hmm. gets his gun, looks outside, and there's a man with a crowbar trying to break into like a tool shed. Is that right, Matthew? Uh, it's a pickaxe, but a tool shed in his, okay. in his property. Pickaxe, and he's trying to break into the tool shed. So guy has a genius idea. I'm going to go out there with my gun. I'm going to stop this dude from stealing my lawnmower or mm-hmm. whatever's in that shed, I guess. So he goes out and, you know, hey, cut that out. Don't do that and stuff. And the BG says something like, you know, or else what? And, and kind of takes, an, you know, advances toward him a little bit. And uh, so homeowner fires a couple, oh, well, he fires the gun, you know, how many shots uh, uh, he, he's not sure about. But he fires the gun and uh, the guy with the pickaxe says, oh, you have a gun and you're shooting at me. That is not good for my health. So he runs away. And as he's running away, and this is a key element to the story, what happens, Matthew? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find the, uh, the exact quote. Um, he, he said he let one off one more shot into, quote, into the night after the fleeing man who ran in the direction of the park. <laughs> yeah, so insert here, standard legal gun uh, diatribe, right? <laughs> like all the stuff that we all just repeat every time we're on Facebook. You know, why would he make a statement like that to the cops and never shoot at a fleeing suspect in the back? And, you know, just like I said, insert all standard, you know, gun legal answers here of why that's a bad idea. But I think we have to, if we go back to the beginning of the story, you know, there's, there's some more like broken record stuff there. Why are we going outside to tell this dude to stop breaking into our shed with a pickaxe? Yeah, tactically bad. Um, it, now it is Texas, so he may have some sort of, you know, I know there's legal, uh, it was some legal protection over some property, right? But it, tactically, it's a bad decision. Um, he goes out there, he shoots the guy, or maybe doesn't shoot the guy, um, maybe just shoots at him, misses, and then shoots one off into the night. Then what he does is he picks up all the casings. <laughs> He throws him in the trash, goes to sleep, doesn't notify anybody. Says, hey, I guess I missed the guy. No harm, no foul. See you later. Goes to sleep, wakes up in the morning and sees what he says he th- believes is a black bag laying in the, in the park. He goes over there, finds the guy that he shot, and then he decides to call an attorney and then call 911 and tell him, hey, there's a dead guy out here. Um, I'm a victim of a crime. And they get out there and they're like, dude, like, when did this happen? Oh, a few hours ago, blood's all dry. Um, and so, yeah, not really what you want to do. And, and here's the thing. I'm not saying that he wasn't justified initially with the dude with the pickaxe and all this to, to shoot him, right? I'm, I, we don't know. But even if he is, anything he says is going to be thrown out as, as a lie. And so we impugn ourselves sometimes. And this is why it's so important not to try to after the fact, make up things or try to connect the dots and say, oh, that doesn't sound good. I shouldn't do this or that. Let the chips fall where they may. I mean, if you're a good person and you're really acting out of the last resort and there's no other means that would, sufficient means that would stop this person from doing what they're doing and you truly and honestly believe that what they're doing is going to cause you death or serious bodily injury and you shoot them, you can't, don't change it. it. It is what it is. And you'll probably be okay because we're not, you know, if you listen to Andrew Brinka, he'll even say, we're not, we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be reasonable and nothing what this guy did, what, what he did initially, you know, tactically bad, 
going out there. Um, but somebody with a pickaxe charges at you or steps towards you, depending on the distance and, and whatnot. Yeah, it may be reasonable, but after that, all his actions were un- unreasonable. And there's no way that this dude, I, I can't see anybody believing a word out of this dude's tune's mouth. You know, Terrible. yeah. Guess what he told 911 dispatch? He said, quote, he, he, it says he refused to answer questions saying only that he was the victim of a crime and to send medical help. So this guy has had what I would call like standard gun legal training, mm-hmm. right? Like, yep. like and, and by standard, I don't mean like legitimate professional. I mean, like, you know, what you would expect to find on a Facebook comment thread exactly. or a forum. Uh, don't, don't tell that 911 anything. Just tell him you're a victim of a crime and to send medical. You know, he, he, but to, to your point, Matthew, like in my world, after the, the final shots have been rung out, in that moment, while he may have made some tactical mistakes, while he might have done some things we would all consider foolish and stupid, he probably could have been legally fine. Yeah. If at that point forward he had, he had done everything different, if he hadn't tampered the crime scene, if he hadn't gone back to bed and hoped no one figured out anything, if he hadn't you know, done all the dumb things he did, if he had called 911 at that point, said the same thing he said later, right, I'm a victim of crime, said medical help, uh, they show up. He, he wants his attorney. You know, in the end, the attorney, you know, might have been able to make the argument. Even when he shot at the dude, you know, running away. Oh, in that moment, the guy—it all happened so fast. He wasn't sure if the guy was running away or the pickaxe was still flying in the air. You know, all the good arguments could have been made. Maybe he would have been legally justified, even if he was morally or tactically foolish. Uh, but he, in this case, you know, he, he metaphorically shot himself in the foot. Yeah, and, and just be be aware also that certain states allow um, you know during your trial they can they can uh, bring in evidence that would be uh, show consciousness of guilt. So actions that you would do that a reasonable person may believe shows that they were trying to hide up or they f- hide something or they felt like they did something wrong, and that is so damning, uh, so damaging to your defense. Um, and so just be aware of all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You pick, pick, pick it up my shell cases and throw them in the garbage can <laughs> suggests I'm really crossing my fingers on this one that, that, uh, this whole thing is just going to go away. <laughs> yep. Unreal. <laughs> what a fool. Okay. Well, too bad for him. And, uh, hopefully, uh, despite, you know, how, to some degree, how tragic that was, we, we hopefully learn from his, uh, his situation. And yep. we wish him the best, frankly. I mean, he, he is the victim, ultimately, even if he did some very foolish things. Right. Okay. So we're going to the Portage Daily Register. Yep. Where the heck is – what is – this what is, is this is in Wisconsin. Oh, maybe. So there's a city maybe named Portage. Maybe it's the county. I don't know. So we're in, we're, we're in Leeds, though, the city of Leeds, Wisconsin. Okay. So <laughs> this one's pretty ugly. This, this one is from whence our – the headline, the title of our episode today comes – And long story short, uh, a woman says her husband went to the basement with a gun after they heard noises and and suspected someone was in their house. She said she then heard a gunshot, looked down the stairs, and saw her husband dead. She and I think a child, if I'm not mistaken, then hide somewhere else in the house, call cops, cops show up. Uh, they search the area. They don't find anyone. Investigation's ongoing. No one's been arrested. Yeah. Sounds a little shady just on face value, right? Like uh, maybe it, something comes out in the end that uh, this was a boyfriend or something like that. I don't know. Um, but it, I mean, I think it, it, it still underscores the basic golden rule that we talk about when you're in your home is not to go searching 
for noises. It's one thing to go search. You, you hear your dog and you think, okay, he knocked over a bowl or something like that. You kind of get the idea of like, those are noises I've heard before, but you also, you know, can probably tell, Hey, I heard something break or I heard something. And then six seconds later, I hear something more and it doesn't sound like a dog, you know? So those types of things are really, really, I mean, it's just so dangerous and it puts you at a very, um, large tactical disadvantage. And so, you know, I, I, we don't have to beat a dead horse cause we cover probably one of these each, each week, but just don't go out searching your home unless, unless let me put the caveat before everybody goes berserk, unless you have to get to the other side to maybe defend your, you know, your children who are in a different part of the home or, you know, a family member or something. But in that case, it's a, it's a hasty, Hey, I'm clearing my way as I go to get to them. It's not, I'm searching in, you know, uh, closets and under beds and behind doors and stuff like that. That's a completely different type of clearing. So yeah. yeah. Uh, isolate the family, defend the room. IFDR, we talk about that all the time. And when you can't IFDR, then move with purpose. You know, do it yep. correctly. Uh, know how to properly slice the pie, use cover, all those things that we talk about all the time. Uh, we go, that, is, that is a thing we talk about in great depth uh, in our home defense course, Complete Home Defense. Oh, shameless plug time, man. I'm missing an opportunity. <laughs> www.concealedcare.com forward slash CHD. Uh, we also talk about use of cover and fighting from cover. Concealedcare.com forward slash FFC. Anyway, uh, I, I, staircases suck. We're talking about a fatal funnel. Noise in the basement. Man, if I don't have kids down in the basement, I have a basement. I love my basement. But there's very little that could get me to go down there when I hear noises in the middle of the night. Uh, there's no bedrooms down there. I mean, I, I might, you know, I'd probably take a position to cover at the top of the stairs, call out some verbal commands and not go down those stairs because stairway, stairways, man, that's, that's, a, that's a nasty place to be caught in a gunfight. Yeah, and basements are full of like ghosts and skeletons and all kinds of stuff, right? Right, 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 of course. Uh, so yeah, this, this is, and I'll add just one last thought, and that is that um, it's really easy as a host of this podcast to read a story like this and, and get on our high horse and say something like, yeah, guys, but you got to stop going looking for the threat. You know, stop looking for shapes, shadows, and sounds. But, like, if I'm being honest, this is a boy who cried wolf problem. Right? I mean, my wife wakes me up in the middle of the night and says she heard something about, you know, every 45 days. I've been married for like 15 years. <laughs> so, I mean, do you legitimately think that every single time that happens, I wake up, open, open safe, grab gun, grab light and say, I got this. Go get the kids. That, no, there's no way. You know, this happens so often that it's, it's like, uh, right, dear. Of course you did. Uh, yeah, I'll check. <laughs> you know? uh, we have dogs. They're not barking. So I think we're good. And so th there is some degree of, to your point, like just being able to distinguish between what is probably an innocent noise that's maybe worth checking and what is not. But there's also kind of this general sense of, I can't allow myself to become complacent. I can't complacent. I can't allow myself to be in a situation where it's like, oh, wife cried wolf again. Here we go. Right. To some right. degree, I still have to move with some purpose. I still have to do it right. So if, if the one of these days, if there actually is something down there that ain't cool, uh, I don't completely open myself up in a way that's, that's vulnerable and unnecessary. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Take us to the next one, Matthew. This is from Fairlawn, Ohio, which is close to, um, I want to say, uh, 
maybe I'm not sure. It's a two um, state, bro. Yeah, I'm trying to maybe Akron, um, that type, a uh, little north of Columbus. But anyways, a uh, kid, uh, 24-year-old, I called him a kid, 24-year-old man is walking to a home uh, at night, 9.20 p.m., and uh, two, he sees two people come up to him and rob him at gunpoint, gun already out, two guys with a gun robbing him. Um, he proceeds to pull his own firearm out. Uh, he's a concealed carrier and is shot. Um, and so the, he was actually transported to uh, the hospital. It doesn't say if he, he survived or not. Um, and the two robbers or attempted robbers um, flee the, the area and they're not in custody at the time. So um, I think this is a pretty good example of what you talked about before, not trying, you know, drawing on a drawn gun. Um, if it's a situation where you have no other choice and you say, Hey, this is escalating to the point where if I don't act now, I'm going to be shot in the head or something. Yes, of course, that's a better, you know, trying to draw on a drawn gun is better than having somebody shoot you in the head. But there, there is a time that maybe you can pick the right moment. Maybe you can divert attention or do something, um, giving up property or something, maybe, um, you know, a good decision, good tactically decision. Um, and so everything's a little bit different each time, but, um, it's not always a gun, a gun issue just because they have a gun. It's not an immediate, you know, I got to get my sub second draw because even then if their fingers on the trigger and the guns point at you, you're not going to beat them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well said. Um, this is one of those situations where we have to remember that skills plus gear is less than mindset plus tactics. Right? Yes. Like you, you can have the awesomest draw and shooting skills and deadliest gun and bush killer 5,000 ammo in it, but it doesn't help you any if your mindset and your, and your tactics suck. And so, have you ever played out a force-on-force scenario like this one, Matthew, where yeah. you're you're the role the role player, uh, you're you know you're the one being you're the you're the victim, you're the good guy, and yeah. the role player the other role player comes at you gun drawn in your face and starts demanding things. If you've ever played this this force-on-force scenario out uh, in a course or something like that, you know this is a tough one. I, I, you do not want to be in this situation because you are doing everything you can to both de-escalate, calm, minimize odds of that person opening fire while also distracting and looking for opportunity to move to cover and fire back. And it is, it is not a, a scenario that's easy to win. Yeah. I mean, in, in reality is, is some of these scenarios are, you know, that play out in real life are a no win scenario. You can't, you couldn't have done anything differently. Right. Um, we, tr- you try to have as much situational awareness as you can and, and all this stuff. And somebody, you know, you're stopped at a red light. Somebody pulls up next to you and blasts you with the shotgun, right? Like there, there's nothing you can, there's nothing more that you could have probably done. Um, you're stuck in traffic. You can't move. The person pulls up behind you. You can't see them. Um, and it happened to uh, a buddy of mine, a cop. And, uh, it's just one of those things where you, you, the chips were stacked against you, you know? And so some of these situations are bad. You just, um, you have to do your best. And, and that's why, you know, training necessarily, uh, shooting somebody at three feet may, you know, you, you don't need a ton of skill to do that. Right. But you need the right mindset. And that comes from training. That's really where you start understanding, Hey, what are these skills? Uh, let me develop the skills, but also understand how to 
better use them. And I think that that helps you survive uh, situations like this. Mm -hmm. Love it. All right. Next one. This is in Reading something. Reading, I don't know. California. California. Okay, sure. So we're in Reading, California. And uh, please get a call 6 p.m. on a Thursday that a man is fighting with two women on on a lawn of a home, right? So they they show up and uh, by the time they get there, there's only one woman there. And that woman says, hey, this guy attacked me and my sister and assaulted us and he has taken my sister and driven off, okay? Now, while they're searching the area, they get a call that... uh, that two men are pointing guns at each other at a gas station. So what apparently happened is the attacker uh, assaults these two women, kidnaps one, puts her in a car, drives off to and to a gas station. While at the gas station, a good Samaritan sees that there's something wrong here. This woman doesn't, you know, maybe she's fighting this man or screaming. I don't know, but he picks up on this woman's in trouble. This is not cool. So he approaches uh, the BG, the bad guy with the gun. And take it from there, Matthew. What happens next? Yeah, so basically he uh, he holds this guy at gunpoint. Um, the guy eventually, I, I believe he, he starts to flee, but the, the police, they have a, 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 air, a helicopter and um, they're able to locate him and take him into custody. Um, but, you know, the, the thing was, is that uh, it was, a, it, I thought the, the statement from one of the police officers, now remember this is in California, but it's not, you know, I don't think Reading is typically like way left leaning, but um, so this is police sergeant uh, Brian Torum. He says citizens don't necessarily intervene with crimes that often. I think he meant in crimes, but I don't know. Uh, but in this case, it was clear that the woman needed help. If people are good people and they're brave enough to do it, and they see something is clearly amiss, you know, sometimes it happens. We don't see a whole lot because a lot of times crimes don't go to the level where people feel like they need to getting involved, I guess. But I think a, a couple quick things or important things is clearly, you know, if they see something is clearly amiss, I mean, when you intervene in some in, in a third party, you don't know what's going on. You don't know who the victim is and who the aggressor is. And even if you act in good faith, there's times in certain laws um, in states that you could end up, even if you reasonably believe that that person was the victim, you could face criminal or civil charges. Um, if it turns out that that person was the actual aggressor, you lose that ability to to uh, use a self-defense claim. So you're really putting your neck out on the line. And, and I think um, to your point, we talked about earlier, you know, your, your first uh, duty is to protect your, yourself, your family. And then the option is to protect somebody else that is a third party, but you really have to know what's going on. And this is clearly one of those examples, right? Somebody's kidnapped, they're in distress, um, thing, something like that, uh, rather than maybe just two people arguing or even just a domestic violence argument, right? Not, not nothing physical or something like that. Um, it, you know, it really, it, you're putting yourself out at extreme risk. And I'm not saying never to do it. I'm just saying, like the sergeant said, like, if something is clearly missed, make sure because not only could you, you know, be on loose legal grounds, but you could end up, you know, uh, shooting somebody that is the actual victim in the crime. And that would be terrible, right? So, yeah. And then, there, and then there's the whole how, you know, you, you talked about the decision to act and then you have to decide, well, how am I going to act? I mean, the gas station's an ugly one. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I can, I can park behind this car. So they're, basically boxed in and can't leave. But then how am I going to approach 
the BG. You know, how am I going to do that from a position of cover where I maximize my odds of being successful in that engagement? And I not only have to, you know, consider myself, but I have to consider the innocence. You know, if I do escalate the situation, bring a gun into it, maybe I'm in a great position to cover, but he shoots the, that poor woman that's in distress or mm-hmm. some other innocent person that walks by. So this is an ugly, difficult situation where cover is limited, um, your visibility is limited, and you have someone who's immediately in need of help. Um, the woman told officers that he had assaulted her, tried to steal her car, drove away with her against her will, and tried to sexually assault her at that time. So this this was a serious deal. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would be remiss if I didn't point out that in addition to the helicopter that helped them find the bad guy near some trees, police canine auto. Nice. Good job, auto. Yeah. Way to be a good police canine. Yeah, some of those All guys right, gotta, are awesome. I got a thing man. for dogs. <laughs> you ever on a canine unit, Matthew? Uh, I never was. No, I, I, I didn't like being, a, well, let me put it this way. I didn't want to have to go through the training and like get bit and all that stuff. So I was like, <laughs> Hey, you guys are good. You can do that. And we'll call you and have you assist us and stuff, but that's, they good. don't, they don't <laughs> automatically pick out the shortest guy in the squad. I just assumed that you would. No, no. Okay. If I'm it were, then that would have been me. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's move on to uh, radio.com KNSS. This is a story out of, I don't know. Kansas. Salina, Salina, Salina. However you say that Texas, yeah, Kansas. This That's is a big awesome city. You'd think, you'd think I know how to pronounce it. <laughs> okay. Father slash daughter team defend themselves against Salina or Selena home invader. Okay. So this is how this goes down. Man kicks in a door. And he does this such that his foot is bleeding. So I don't know if he was barefoot, uh, but we know that his foot was bleeding. So he kicks in this door and uh, you know, it, it's not that hard to kick in a door, generally speaking, but it's going to make enough noise that the occupants are probably going to figure out what's going on. And that's basically what happened here. You have a father-daughter pair who they said, oh, hmm, that's loud. Let's see what this is about. So man gets into the house and uh, he tells the occupants that he's running away from someone. Of course. And then he closes the door and tries to lock it. Okay. Uh, now, homeowners, he, this doesn't feel good to him. This does not feel warm and fuzzy at all. So he calls to his daughter and says, hey, grab my gun. And it says, quote, father and daughter prepared for emergency situations like the one they encountered Thursday night, and she knew exactly what to do. The homeowner was able to hold the BG at gunpoint until the police came and took the intruder into custody. So what do you think about this one, Matthew? I got, yeah. I got a lot of thoughts, but I, I want to hear you first. Yeah, first – the dude, the dad, his nickname's Rodeo, or I guess maybe you call it Rodeo, but you don't mess with a dude with the nickname of Rodeo, right? Like it's probably out there and going to handle business, but um, they're prepared. Like the, the, the first thing was that I saw, you know, f- father and daughter were prepared. They had, they knew what they would do if this ever happened. Right. Um, super important. Um, it, you know, this is this is one of those situations where if you don't have a plan, you could you could end up freezing or you could end up um, not knowing what to do, even not just freezing, but trying to do something. And, and you know, you, you run if you've ever been so flustered that you go and you you do something that you, you wouldn't normally do. Right. You walk this way to the car versus that way or you know, something that it doesn't make sense. Why did I do that? It's just because your mind is trying to figure something out and you just kind of start going off and doing something. Um, this was a classic example. Now, yes, would it be awesomer 
if he had his firearm on him or she had one on her. Yeah. But truth is not everybody's going to carry their gun all the time in their home. Should they? I don't know. It's a personal choice. Um, in this situation, it would have made it a little easier. Turns out good. Um, but, you know, I, I think this was awesome. Um, just a, a, a great story. And, you know, and I don't, I'll let you hit it after this, but the last point I wanted to make about this is this is why mandatory gun law, uh, storage laws and these smart guns and, and, and things like that and prohibiting people from, you know, um, being able to train and making it more difficult. If you don't have, if your home defense gun is great for you, but your daughter or your wife or your husband or whoever can't shoot it or can't, has never trained on it. Or can't, can't even get retrieve access, it from the right? safe. Yeah. Can't get it from the safe, right? Or some biometric thing that only your finger works on it, right? Like how this story doesn't play out like that, right? Because he has to go get it and, and he's the one who has to defend. And she's just like, oh, I, there's a gun, but I, I, I'm too scared to shoot a shotgun. I've never shot one before or whatever it is, right? And so I think when these legislators start saying, oh, let's, you know, tax ammunition, make, you know, ranges have to go, you know, four hours away to be able to shoot and all this stuff. It, 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 it's these kinds of situations that underscore why a certain level of training, a certain level of understanding and the ability to get to a gun is really important. And so those types of laws really make people more, uh, I, I believe they make people more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you said all kind of the warm and fuzzy things about the story. And I think I, I couldn't agree more, but there, there's a ton of problems I have with, with the actions here. You mentioned that guy doesn't have his gun with him. That, that certainly is valid. Um, and we don't know if he like, if he's sitting there watching TV when, when this all starts and, you know, in, in which case, you know, mistake is he just didn't have it on him to begin with, but it could be he started in his bedroom with a gun right next to him, heard some noise walked away from that gun, went downstairs and said, huh, what's this noise? And then a guy comes through the door and he's like, oh, crap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess I do need that gun that I just left upstairs where I just was five seconds ago. Uh, so, let's, you know, let's, let's th think about that. The, the second thought I, I have, and it doesn't directly say this, but uh, door ambushes suck. We had a story a couple of weeks ago or however long ago as you and Riley, I think, covered it where a woman uh, had, had someone pounding at the door. She gets the gun. She's waiting. It's dark. Man comes through the glass, breaks through the glass, breaches the door, comes into the house. And so she shoots him only to find out it's her son. Mm -hmm. So, you know, being on the other side of a door where there's a loud noise and someone's trying to get through that door is really crappy tactics. You know, put some separation, put some distance between you and that door, put some objects between you and that door so you buy yourself the time necessary uh, to have a covered position, identify the threat, and make, make decisions. So have the gun with you, but also let's not just go stand in front of a door that someone's trying to kick in. Here, here's my last thought. I, I think just, just, to, just to throw it out there, is it possible that the, the intruder was 100% innocent with 100% innocent intentions? It's, I think the answer is yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly possible. This person could have been running away from someone who was trying to hurt him. And he might have seen this home and went in and broke in and closed that door to protect himself from someone outside. In fact, I am personally acquainted with the story where something very similar to that happened. 
Uh, a man was a tourist here in Colorado. He was up in the mountains having a good old time. He got attacked. The men stole all his clothes, his wallet, his phone, left him dang near naked and bleeding. He went down a rural street, found a home, pounded, let himself in and asked for help. And of course, the homeowners are like, man, who is this dude? Is he trying to hurt us? Meanwhile, the dude's scared for his life because these dudes have just robbed him of everything he has and left him bleeding on the road. So anyway, uh, just to put that in perspective, you know, in this case, it worked out fine. Everyone's safe, no shots fired. So if he was innocent, you know, he's fine too. But, um, you know, we don't know. We don't know what we're going to run into. We don't know what the situation is going to be. Yeah, and, and, and that's a really good point because, you know, think about a lot of people say, anybody comes to my house, they're leaving in a body bag, right? And it's like, yeah, this guy may have had nefarious intentions or he could have been drunk. He could have legitimately been running away from somebody. And yeah, legally you're justified to shoot the dude because he kicked open your door, right? We're not saying, I'm not defending the guy at all. I'm just saying, like you said, there is a possibility that maybe he was, or maybe he's just, you know, drunk and uh, I, I, I mean, we've had situations, you know, I, I've responded to calls where people were drunk. They thought it was their own home. Um, I've had a, a kid who climbed through a window thinking it was his girlfriend's window, but it was a, you know, a, a condominium complex and he went left instead of right and he ends up getting shot. So I'm not saying that these people were wrong in, in shooting or not shooting. I'm just saying if you have the ability to uh, hold off on shooting, you know, it, 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 if you have the ability, it may not be a bad decision, right? Because yeah. we don't want to take a life in, if we don't have to. And so that's why sometimes I have issues with people say, anybody comes to my house, they're leaving in a body bag. And it's like, dude, like, you know, I get it, but there might be a situation where you, you need to help somebody or it's just a mistake. And, yeah, I mean, if I, if I could wave the magic wand and play this scenario out in my house, how I would like it to happen, I hear noise at door, retrieve gun, go downstairs, put something between me and that front door, a nice position to cover. I got a good choke point here. They have to come through that door, little entryway or hallway or whatever your home might look like. And I'm, I'm making commands. You know, they may not be able to hear me through the door, but I'm yelling out, don't come in, whatever, right? They breach the door. They come through the door. Uh, by the way, I got lights on, by the way, too. All the lights are on inside the house. So they come in. I'm looking. I'm identifying the target. I'm saying, okay, I know that I got this much distance between me. Even if they ran at me straight, I have a little bit of time to identify my threat before I start shooting. I'm still yelling out verbal commands. And hopefully, I've given this person so many opportunities to not get shot, right? That if they are that innocent person, if it is, if they do have just good intentions, they're trying to get away from somebody or they're drunk or you know, they think that's their girlfriend's house or whatever, they're going to have an opportunity to save their own life and not not take my bullet. So anyway, for whatever that's worth. We got one more, Matthew. This is out of Wichita Falls, Texas. Yeah, this is an interesting one. So Okay. um, Yeah. yeah. So let me see if I can sum this one up. Uh, You have a woman who's in a wheelchair and she's in a store collecting money for the Children's Miracle Network. And she's got kind of this container with some, I imagine, some cash and some change in it. And uh, she's approached by the BG and the BG you know, has some fake story about a bus ticket. And while she's talking to him, he reaches down and grabs the donation bucket from the lap of or, uh, from her lap. Cause she's sitting in this wheelchair, right? She doesn't have the full use for arms, et cetera. And he attempts to flee the scene. Now there's witnesses. People see this and they're like, uh, that ain't cool. So they start chasing this cat and uh, eventually they do confront him and say, Hey, return that money, man. 
And so he throws a backpack at one of the witnesses, punches someone in the face, and then he reveals a knife and says, back up. So dude's serious about getting away with his like 60 bucks. So he runs some additional separate witnesses give chase. And one of them is armed, draws gun, holds him at gunpoint until police arrive. And uh, yeah, he's in trouble. He's in jail. Charged with one count of aggravated robbery. What a despicable dude, right? Um, and, and that's the thing, like, you know, this, we, we always think, you know, why would, why would anybody rob me? I don't have any money or, you know, wh- what are they going to take from me? The criminals are predatory. They're, they're opportunists. If they want, if they can get 30 bucks, if they can steal a, an iPhone or whatever it is, um, they'll do it. You know, it's not like, oh, that's, that's not enough money for me to steal. I mean, if it's a woman in a wheelchair and he thinks, She's not going to run after me. Uh, I'm going to do it. And so this guy had a knife um, and it kind of, you know, thinking back to the story we just covered, it may have been totally justifiable to shoot this kid, right? This, the, the robber, right? He has a knife. You may be in a certain proximity to him. Um, it, it may be legal, but, you know, he had the restraint. Maybe he had a barrier in between him and, and you know, him and the, and the guy with the knife, or maybe he was at a good distance. Maybe tactically he moved correctly um, where he had a position of advantage where he didn't have to respond with the shot fired. And, you know, that's ultimately the goal. I mean, yes, he probably, if he shot, could say, yes, I was this distance and I felt threatened. He had a knife, blah, blah, blah. But um, if you don't have to take a life or you don't have to shoot, not only is it probably less on your conscience, um, but you don't run the risk of something bad happening and you stepping over some line and uh, through a technicality, you broke a law and now you have to defend yourself or something. Right. So um, I I think that this was a good story all around where it showed some restraint. They, they responded appropriately, used the right level of force. Um, It could have, could have used deadly force, but didn't um, with that restraint. And uh, it shows how despicable some people are. Yeah. Yeah. Very fair. I don't know that I have a lot to add other than, you know, when you got a group of witnesses to a crime all chasing down the criminal, <laughs> that's, that's, cons- I mean, I'm not saying that any of that is bad, only that, you know, I would be a very cautious chaser. You know, this dude ended up pulling out a knife. What if he had pulled out a gun? Yeah. You know, we could have had some, some innocent people shot here. So, you know, be cautious, you know, again, getting home is required, right? So we, we got we to gotta move with purpose and we got to be mindful of how we do that. I guess that seems to be my broken record thing for the day. Yes, sir. All right. We're wrapping up today's episode. Thank you so much for listening and for tuning in. We are very grateful. Don't forget each week to go to www.concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize to enter into our weekly podcast giveaway. Winners announced in each Tuesday episode of the week. Uh, we are very grateful to those who are participating live and to those who have recently gone and written reviews for us. Be sure to write us a review of this podcast. Go to iTunes, wherever it is you listen to this podcast, if you're able, and write a review. Give us five stars and tell us what we're doing awesome. And then all the stuff you think we do really crappily don't write it in the review instead send us an email at podcast at concealedcare.com no I'm kidding you can put it in the review if you want but certainly no any feedback comment questions you'd like us to address send us an email podcast at concealedcare.com and we'll respond to that as soon as we can don't forget today's sponsor is the Wilderness Tactical Ankle uh, IFAC Cuff available for sale at concealedcare.com forward slash shop that's a really good product we think it's pretty dang awesome so with that thanks everyone Matthew appreciate you being here with me today Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Catch you next time.
reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.